Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books and Fantasy, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. This is your host, Gabrielle Matin. Today, I'm talking with David Slayton about Trailer Park Trickster, the second book in the Adam Binder series. Here's my review. Did you ever hear the one about the elf, druid, and warlock that walk into, no, not a bar, but a trailer? Trailer Park Trickster, David Slayton's follow-up to White Trash Warlock, offers urban fantasy alternating with backwoods spookiness. If you thought of warlocks as tall, elegant fellows with British accents and a swirling velvet cloak, think again. Adam Binder is a newly made warlock from Guthrie, Oklahoma, who grew up in a trailer park with a violent father and a chain-smoking mother. After his father's disappearance and a stint in mental hospital for seeing visions, Adam took refuge with his kindly aunt Sue, Guthrie's local fortune teller. While Adam, in the first book, has to deal with an evil spirit in Denver, a dark force is gathering in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Trailer Park Trickster opens as he dispatches his first victim, Adam's beloved aunt Sue. Adam rushes back to Guthrie for her funeral and finds his dysfunctional goth cousin and estranged aunt cooking up meth in Sue's erstwhile cozy trailer. Things only get worse after that. Adam's love interest, Vic, a policeman, wants to support Adam through this time of crisis, but instead he gets sidetracked on a long road trip with the elf queen Argent, leaving Adam to try to pacify his crazy cousin win the trust of the local sheriff, and find out the identity of the dark druid who's killing off Adam's relatives. So after that introduction, we're going to go ahead and have a short reading by David, and then we'll move on to the show. Chapter 1. Adam. The wards were down. That was how he knew, really knew, that she was dead. The plastic flamingos and homemade wind chimes remained, but the warmth of Sue's presence, the thing that said she'd always be there for him, that Adam had a home here, was gone. Still, the lights were on and a television buzzed somewhere inside the trailer. Someone was home. Adam tasted the rain on his lips. He'd driven as fast as he could, The adrenaline that had flooded him when he'd torn out of Denver had long faded. He'd left without a word, leaving his mom and Bobby to mourn Bobby's wife, Annie, and likely question Adam's sanity again. Now too much gas station coffee buzzed in his veins. He should eat. But first, he had to know the details, and he had to know who was living in Sue's trailer. I've got David Slayton on now to discuss Trailer Park Trickster. How are you doing? It's really, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm good. It's 9 o'clock where I am, and you're having a Denver afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's sunny and 1 o'clock here, so I appreciate uh, you talking to me so late in your day. Oh, sure. My pleasure. Well, let's start in talking about the hero, Adam. So Adam has magic powers. 
but he flies under the radar, which I took to mean his magic isn't so strong that it alerts everyone in his vicinity. Is this a source of distress to Adam? Quite often. So like you said, Adam, that's a, Adam flies under the radar. He doesn't have a lot of magical power. And that means that as he's dealing with creatures in the magical world, he's often outmatched. You know, he's dealing with creatures who are so much more powerful than he is. The problem is, in order to get more magic, he'd probably have to make a bargain with one of those creatures. Mm -hmm. And he's terrified of that because they might enslave him or they might make him do things he's not comfortable doing. So he avoids that. But because he does fly under the radar, as you put it, it allows him to see things other people can't see. And there actually is a skill in that because it makes him really good at reconnaissance. He can see things, other things that are hiding from the more powerful entities. So he can see things even though his magic isn't that strong, but doesn't that, does that mean he can kind of be unobserved, like a, a really good spy because people don't, uh, magical creatures don't notice him right away? Exactly. He is down there too. So he's worked very hard through much of his life so far to not attract the attention of more powerful creatures. And one of the things that happens in Trailer Park Trickster, the second book, uh, by the end of the first book, White Trash Warlock, unfortunately, in order to save to save people and to win, he kind of had to expose himself. So one of the things that's happening now in Trailer Park Trickster, and that will be a theme in book three, Deadbeat Druid, is Adam can't hide anymore. People know who he is. Yeah, he's uh, turned into a warlock too, hasn't he? Yeah. So in my universe, I warlock is, it's actually an old word. A lot of people don't know this. They think because of things like bewitched and modern times that warlock means male witch. Mm -hmm. But it actually is a very old word for traitor. It means somebody who betrayed the tenets of magic or somebody who betrayed the tenets of witches. And in my world, that means that you had to, you had to um, betray life. You had to make a magical sacrifice. And in the events in White Trash Warlock, Adam has had to do that. Warlocks are very rare in my world because of that. And what Adam, Adam's still figuring out what that means for him and his powers. And the creatures and beings that he deals with, his allies, also are still trying to figure out what that means. They're, again, they're very rare. So not so while Adam is, remains not very powerful, he is unique. And that makes him a bit of an outsider, which, of course, is a big theme in his character altogether. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is. And he, um, because he is an outsider, he really hasn't had that much grounding in magic other than Aunt Sue, who isn't uh, a deaf magician by any means. He's given magic a lot of thought and uh, come up with some conclusions. For instance, he says every living thing had some magic, even if they didn't know it. Most people access the other side through dreams. People with a little more power, usually from their bloodline, might have visions. Others bargained with things best left alone. Now, we don't want to do a spoiler, but in general terms, who is Adam referring to in that last sentence? So 
greater powers than himself. There are there are creatures out there like the elves who he knows well and who you meet through the books a lot. They are creatures he could bargain with. But there are far more dangerous and dark things out there in the in the spirit realm. Demons, for example, or entities who are very they don't see mortals or humans as having value. And again, we get to meet some of those in Trailer Park Trickster, but Adam would be very cautious about ever trying to form a relationship with any of those creatures because he is scared of them, and rightly so. And we have moments in the books, and you see one particularly in Trailer Park Trickster towards the end, when Adam finally does have to go get help, like he does kind of, I think, early on in White Trash Warlock, he reaches for the powers that he knows. He reaches out to the elves because he Mm -hmm. knows them best. Well, others bargained with things best left alone. We can say that someone in Adam's vicinity, someone he's close to, has made a bad decision in terms of bargaining with things best left alone. Oh, yes. And that, of course, is going to blow up kind of spectacularly um, (laughs) in Trailer Park Drickster. Literally, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That first chapter is a bang. (laughs) You got that right. Well, Adam also admits he has no prayers. He has no gods. And the closest things he'd met to them were jerks. So we've already established he knows elves. Uh, How has his relationship with them been well and you you kind of nail it on the head there he early on he meets up with the elves in white trash warlock he has a past relationship with the elves because his first love was an elf who abandoned him and broke his heart mm-hmm. and so he's very wary of the elves but at the same time they're the power that he knows best and that adds some complications to his relationships with them he doesn't trust them so that's why he thinks of them as jerks. He has that complicated history with the elves, and he doesn't – but it's kind of – there's a really great old Terry Pratchett line about how witches didn't believe in gods or they didn't mm. worship gods because it would be like worshiping the postman. <laughs> um, and I always, that's kind of – I always think about that with Adam. Like he, he would never look at the elves – like he'll admit they're pretty and he'll admit they're graceful and he'll admit that they're, they've got all this magic and they're really neat. At the same time, he knows them too personally to think of them in this very, you know, awestruck way, mm-hmm. which is really fun. I, I like that he just, you know, thinks of them as jerks and <laughs> calls them names and, and never to their face because he's still kind of terrified of them. Well, we have the alternating narrative with uh, Adam and Vic. Uh, Vic is Adam's love interest. And uh, Adam left Vic troubled about a lot of things. But it seems like Vic essentially still yearns to get serious with Adam, despite the problems. What about Adam does he love the most? So it's established very on when we meet Vic in White Trash Warlock that he loves Star Wars. And and Vic really loves heroes. He loves good guys. Mm Mm-hmm. His relationship to Adam is complicated. Adam is the first guy that he's ever had feelings for. He's certainly the first person he's had these kinds of, this level of serious feelings for. And Vic has been thrown into this whole new world of the supernatural. His whole worldview has been upturned. Like you said, I really loved giving him the second point of view because we got to explore all of that. Mm -hmm. 
But what he loves the most about Adam is Adam is a hero. And Adam showed that in book one, in White Trash Warlock, when he saved Vic. He didn't know Vic, and Vic's life was in danger, and Adam risked his own life to save Vic. And at that moment, Vic could see this guy is a hero. This guy is somebody who acts like a hero selflessly. He does the right thing, even when no one's watching, and even though, again, he's so magically outclassed by some of the things that he's facing, but he'll still do the right thing. And that's a powerful draw for Vic. And even the elves have to admit that Adam does the right thing. <laughs> and they're not real big with compliments in general. Exactly. It's a it's a big thing that Argent, the Queen of Swords, mm-hmm. has taken this, this affection to Adam. Um, I really appreciate that about her. <laughs> so a little bit more about Adam and Vic. Do they share a similar background, and how does the answer to that influence the chances of their relationship succeeding? Oh, man. Their backgrounds could not be more <laughs> opposite, and that's actually on purpose. I set, mm-hmm. I set the Martinez family up to be a mirror to the Binder family, so where Adam and the Binders are backwoods, and they come from my background. I want to be very clear that when I talk about backwoods and growing up in a trailer and a high school dropout, that's my experience. That's where I come from. So Adam's background is mine. So (laughs) (laughs) people sometimes like, wait, that's how I grew up Mm -hmm. in those woods in that trailer. And so, but his family's not educated and they don't talk about things particularly. They don't talk about the difficult things, which of course, so much of the conflict in the first two books is about the secrets people are keeping, the things people don't want to talk about, that honestly, if they would, things would go a lot smoother mm-hmm. um, and it would solve a lot of problems. But these old secrets keep bubbling up. But the Martinez family, Vic's family, they are very close. They talk about everything. They share information. And when Adam first meets them in White Trash Warlock, it's a very funny scene because he's just stunned by them because they're so open and they're, and they're, they talk about everything. Vic tells them everything. And Adam doesn't know how to relate to that at all. So their, their backgrounds are so polar opposite. And I had a lot of fun mixing, you know, playing that off of each other. Vic's mother is a college professor, for mm-hmm. example. He's, he's well educated. They had vocabulary quizzes every night at dinner, right? He, he knows so much more about the world than history. Um, so I think the contrast between them leads to a lot of the conflict in their relationship because Adam's not used to trusting anyone. And Vic is, Vic is patient, but he does have his limits. I, I think they've, got, they've each got a lot to work through in Trailer Park Trickster, and we'll see how that all plays out and is finalized in Deadbeat Druid. Mm-hmm. And, and Vic is... Shocked once in a while, even as a policeman, he's shocked by things he finds out about the binders that he just can't quite believe. <laughs> yeah, he comes from a very different world. Uh-huh. So Vic does a lot of soul searching in his book. And what else preoccupies him other than his relationship with Adam? Well, it was important to me that Vic not just be a love interest. I want mm-hmm. him. That's one of the reasons I gave him his own point of view. And some people are a little sad that they don't spend more of the book together, but it's important to me that Vic be um, 
be his own person, his own character. And I really got, I really enjoyed being able to spend more time in his head and in his perspective of things. So he's dealing with a few things. He's first of all, he's dealing with the fact that there's a supernatural world, learning that there's this whole other side to reality that he didn't know about before he, before he met Adam and getting to explore that with Argent on a road trip, which was <laughs> super, super, super fun to ride. <laughs> um, the car was something I really wanted to, I love that, that whole bit. The road mm-hmm. trip with the two of them was so much fun. Um, it just cracked me up getting to put that in. And so, so he's dealing with that. He's dealing with kind of an upend in his idea of how the world works. He's also dealing with the fact that while his his perspective is has totally changed, it's a bit of a spoiler, but by the end of book one, Vic is a Grim Reaper. He has taken on a whole new role in the world, right. that he and he didn't even know Grim Reapers were real. And then in addition to that, his, on his own kind of personal journey, he's up to this point, he's been a policeman, and he's just, he's a rookie cop. He's not that, he's fairly new to it. But his relationship to that profession and to that life choice is also something that's getting upended and twisted as he sees, you know, as we all are, the kind of conversation of police in our societies right now. And mm-hmm. it's a big conversation here in the States, of course. Um, and then finally, also, for the first time in his life, he's admitting and realizing that he's that he's bisexual, that he's attracted to both men and women. And... His father passed away a year or two before the books began. So he's asking questions of how would his father feel of about this? He, he wishes he had that. How is his his mom is very, very supportive and, and all in right away, which is another important contrast between Vic and Adam. Mm-hmm. But and while Vic is very self-accepting and self-aware, I love that about him. It, there's still some things he ha- kind of has to ask himself and get into in that new change in his identity. Well, we've touched about uh, him being a reaper, and I think Vic isn't quite sure himself how that functions. Can you tell us a little bit more about what a reaper is and maybe also describe Vic's new boss to your readership? Absolutely. So... In my, in my world, in the world I'm writing, reapers are a form of possession. And most people who are reapers don't know that they're reapers. The form that that takes is I might be a custodian at a hospital or I might work as a paramedic or a, in law enforcement. And that puts that person adjacent to where death is likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And when the, when someone dies, their soul is reaped. And the reaper is able to essentially manifest and and reap the soul of that person. But most reapers don't know that they're reapers. Events in White Trash Warlock kind of force death herself to appear. <laughs> and she has a much larger game she's playing, which will all come to a head in Deadbeat Druid, the third book. Mm-hmm. But essentially death comes out of the coffin and tells you know, basically Vic knows he's a reaper, which is unusual. He's the first one. He's unique in that regard, or at least the only one we know of. And that's a little bit of a spoiler, but essentially Vic is the, Vic is aware that he's a reaper and that makes him special. And Vic's 
purpose as a reaper, death death has plans. I think of the first three books in the series as the death arc. It's mm-hmm. all about her and everything that she's been doing and why, and us getting to the heart of her motivations. Um, and all of that will be settled and put to bed, and you'll understand why she did what she did in the first three books. By the end of Deadbeat Druid, all of that is revealed, and those questions are answered, and that story is put to bed. If we get another three books, which I hope we eventually get nine or more, um, but if we get if we were to get another three books, then that would be the elf arc, and we would deal, dive more into the elven motivations. But Death's, um, Death's purpose for having Vic be a Reaper and be an aware Reaper is uh, something will definitely come to light by the end of Trailer Park Trickster and by the end of Debbie Druid. So what does she look like when Vic encounters her? What is she? Is she skiving or is she having a drink of something? Or... <laughs> I thought that was pretty so... funny. <laughs> It's a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't read White Trash Warlock, but Death Death has been hiding under everybody's noses, and she's posing as a witch by the name of Sarah. And she is a southern she she affects a very southern black woman, very jovial, very jolly. She has a, a she always has iced tea, mm-hmm. um, and I think of her kind of like Nicole Byer if you've watched Nailed <laughs> It, right? She's got this very exuberant personality. And very cheerful, which is mm-hmm. which I like contrast because you know she's death, but she has this very uh-huh. cheerful personality. Yeah. And so she, uh, when Vic first meets her, and Adam Adam has known her his whole life without knowing that she's death. And in order to make um, in order to make all this work, basically death has to come out to the world and into the supernatural world, and that's got larger implications than just for Vic or Adam because the elves, all these people, like, wait, why is she suddenly telling us, you know, who she is? Why mm-hmm. why is she suddenly revealing herself after all this time? But I I really do I really love her personality. She's got a <laughs> she's very fun and, and a little bit flamboyant and playful. But every once in a while somebody will underestimate her or forget who she is. And she's pretty quick to remind you, hey, don't mess with me, you know. <laughs> so uh, Adam muses that rust and dust is the binder family legacy. Is that true? Is that all? It, there is definitely some magic there. But in that regard, he's thinking about the practical fact that his family is poor, mm-hmm. that they're rural. I again I grew up in a trailer in the woods with rusted out cars and trying to grow food and you know that red Oklahoma clay and red <laughs> hard to that grow cover food. everything. Yeah. Well, the soil is is just this red muddy clay that sticks to everything. So that's that's kind of Adam's way of commenting on it, but there is there is more legacy there when it comes to the bloodlines and magic. All of those secrets get brought to the surface by the end of Trailer Park Trickster. Mm-hmm. And if we get more if we get more books in time, I may explore other sides. But the Binder family, the Adam's father's side, all of that is um yeah, all of that is really put to uh put to bed by the end of the trilogy. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, boy, you are organized and you have a big program. What are you working on right now? So I can't. I have a couple of things I can't talk about yet, <laughs> but because the con- the contract ink is not dry. Mm-hmm. But there's a few books coming. I have a few books that will be coming out in the next couple of years where I'm really, really excited to share them. At the moment, I'm working on specifically an epic fantasy, which is kind of my first love. I love epic. Fa- I love urban fantasy, but I epic is where I started writing, and I want to keep exploring it. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I've been pouring a lot of, t- of my time into when I'm not um, doing promo or edits for the Adam series. Well, how do we keep up with all the stuff that you're doing? What's the best place to find out the breaking news? The easiest way is to go to my website, which is just David R. Slayton. Don't forget the R. That's really important. Um, so mm-hmm. David R. Slayton dot com and sign up for my newsletter. As soon as I can have some announcements, I'll be sending out um, a newsletter to let people know. Another good way is just to find me on social media. And if you go to davidrslayton.com, on the homepage of my website are all of my social media handles. I'm very active on Twitter. I'm fairly active on Instagram and Facebook. But really, if you um, really want to kind of keep up with me, Twitter is probably the best place from an author perspective. But I tend to cross post. I'm just I'm just about everywhere except TikTok. I'm just not funny enough for TikTok. <laughs> I don't think. Maybe maybe we've aged out of that. I mean, <laughs> well, thanks so much for taking time out of your writing to chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to me today on the New Books Network in Fantasy. I've been talking to David R. Slayton in Denver about Trailer Park Trickster, the second in the Adam Binder series. Join me in March when I talk to Peng Shepard, author of The Book of M, about her new novel, The Cartographers, a thriller about the New York Public Library, no less. Turns out map makers can be dangerous folks to mess with. I'm your host, Gabrielle Matin. You can also follow me on Twitter to get updates about new podcasts and more at Gabrielle Author. Tune in next time.